B-G-A-A. You know, Offaly had won by a last minute goal. So my inspirational speech actually backfired on me. Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. And you're welcome to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with the three to five. It's been a very difficult 24 hours of the country following that heartbreaking and devastating incident in Creaselaw in County Donegal. Our thoughts are with everybody affected by this tragedy and with the local community. All GA matches in Donegal this weekend have been postponed. The Donegal Harvest Rally has been postponed. Like there are no words really. Uh, let's start off the show as always with the news round. We're joined by Shane Hannan and Willow Callahan from OTB Sports. Afternoon, gents. Afternoon, John. And messages as well from the sporting community for those in Donegal, Shane. Yeah, and the GEA releasing a, a statement this morning as well saying, Come and look last Gale and its members <clears throat> offer condolences and sympathies to all of those impacted by the terrible, terrible tragedy in Creaselaw County, Donegal yesterday. So, um, yeah, one of those things that, that it just it struck the entire country, I think. And, and I know the. Uh, Donegal Senior Football Final tomorrow, all other championship games as well in the county have been postponed this weekend um, following this tragedy in increased loss. And Unions and Neve Connell have been set to meet in tomorrow's decider. Uh, and Donegal GA saying as well their prayers are with the community of Creaselaw, as you mentioned, John. Then the uh, Donegal Harvest Rally also postponing tomorrow's race, which was set to conclude the National Rally Championship. So, yeah, very, very sad. Um, not 24 hours really since the news came in. Yes, and. Um more to come, more news to come on that story uh, across News Talk today and tomorrow. So what is on the programme today? Well, all, as always, uh, football Saturday between 3 and 5. Um, so what is the situation football-wise at the moment? Well, Manchester City and Erling Haaland unstoppable right now and keep you right up to date on their game with Southampton. Uh, we'll also preview the Women's World Cup playoff between the Republic of Ireland and Scotland on Tuesday. Our Arsenal's match against Liverpool tomorrow. Everton against Man United. We'll also uh, look ahead to all of the other action with Mark Lawrence and Graham Gartland, Dan McDonnell and Johnny Ward between three and five. This week's Saturday panel as well is about abuse from the sidelines. So does Irish sport have a problem with the treatment of officials after a spate of recent incidents? Do parents need to do better? We'll speak to a coach who's adopted silent sidelines, a sports psychologist and a GA referee. It's all coming up at half past one. So listeners out there, what are your observations from going to local sports about respect, what happens on the sidelines, general culture? Have things improved? Are things out of hand? Are reports of intimidation overblown despite those incidents recently? Or are they real? Get in touch on 53106. Love to hear from you in that conversation on the Saturday panel at half one. I'm not sure if it's an Irish specific, it's not necessarily an Irish specific problem, but it, it's definitely a noticeable thing at underage matches, both soccer and Gaelic, you know, games that I've even been to myself. Um, like parents especially just, it's almost them living living their failed own sporting careers through their kids um, and just the pressure that that is put on kids. And the Silent Sidelines initiative is, is an excellent one because even coaches aren't allowed to direct players and all you hear at the ma- at those matches is just the kids' voices and kids enjoying and learning naturally, I guess, how to play a sport without the the, the pressure, the intimidation, um, being told you didn't do that right or come on, keep keep it going. It, it's just it seems like an obvious thing, but but pushing kids, you know, especially when they're very young, you know, if you're if kids are six, seven, eight playing football, the last thing you need to do is push them away from the sport by by putting too much pressure on it. So there has to be a certain age age level where sport is just to be enjoyed. And then, of course, you can bring coaching and, and, and constructive criticism in when they've got to a certain age. But uh, there's too much of it in Ireland, I think. Yeah, this respect issue with referees, with um, players. Will, obviously, with the Offaly and Leash, and you know, you're know you based around there and the work you do around there. You've told me some mad stuff from Gaelic Games recently. Um, what What is the landscape like there? Is it is it just too intense on a sideline? Is it just accepted? Um, is it... Uh, 
I wouldn't say accepted. I mean, I think uh, there's probably been a focus shown onto the abuse of referees because of the instance that we've had recently. Most common Wexford, yeah. Most common Wexford and Kerry uh, would be the three that are probably the most known of recent times. And I think there's a very strong chance that that Wexford motion and Neil Martin, the chairperson of Wexford, was on OTBM this week uh, talking about why they want to overturn the rule within the GA rulebook, which is 96, 96 weeks, weeks yeah. currently is the maximum suspension pretty much for anything within the which GA. Is what that guy weeks. got in Roscommon. Yeah, and, and like that was Roscommon applying the rules and you know they went through the process entirely and 96 weeks is the maximum suspension which you can put out for a physical or a verbal assault on an official which I think is too little at the moment I think um, you know obviously all cases have to go through the disciplinary process so I'm not talking about those three in particular but in a more general sense I think if you put your hands on an official that should be a more lengthy suspension than two years which is what the GA have maximum at the moment I mean, look, as Shane mentioned, if you go to an underage game particularly, there are about 50 to 60 coaches, primarily parents, who are there trying to encourage their kids, but sometimes that encouragement veers in the wrong direction. And I think when people are young, particularly up to the point, we're talking about this on a slight tangent this week too, at what point for children does it become almost like the man's game where you're playing it to win as opposed to playing it to enjoy? Is it 14? Is it 16? I think it has to be in the middle teens because... Everyone who goes out to play sport at a younger age than that should be going out to enjoy it primarily, to learn the skills, to be socially active with their friends, and for the best part, for everyone to be able to participate in the sport, as opposed to it being seen as something to win in an ends of itself. Like, I think that's an important message for kids to learn. I'm not saying it should be go games all the way up to 18 or something like that. At some point, you have to balance, yeah. face into it where it matters. Yeah. But unfortunately, if a parent goes to under 8 or under 10 or whatever, they want little Jimmy or little Sarah. It's more of an issue in the GA than other sports in your view. I know it's like in all sports this happens. In rugby, less maybe. Maybe less. There, there seems to be a, there's just there's a referee culture in rugby that's slightly different to the referee culture I think in other sports. But what Shane is talking about there, this idea of you know people being overly competitive on the sideline, I think happens in pretty much every sport, and even happens when you go to a track and field event and you look at parents who are um, shouting or berating their children in a way they probably shouldn't do so. Didn't throw the javelin in the right way. Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know what maybe that technique side. But you go to like a I don't know a one hundred meter, two hundred meter race, and you will hear all the parents screaming for yeah. their kid to go a little bit faster and to yeah. win the race. And that's probably human nature to a certain extent. But there's encouragement, and then there's the, there's negative uh, encouragement and criticism, and th- these are the fine lines. And yeah. I'm interested well, in what people kids are. off sport. That that is should be the primary aim. Yeah. Is I, that they stay involved for as long as possible? I almost feel like under 11s when I was playing under underage soccer as a kid, under 11s is where I noticed the shift into. Okay, we have to win this game. I dropped out of soccer at Joseph's Boys at about 10 years of age. Yeah, yeah. Because, uh Well, it wasn't good enough. Uh, but it was about me not being good enough. Yeah, well, but it should, it shouldn't have been. Could it ever be decided that you're not going to be well, good enough? Well, you, were, you weren't getting picked. Uh, and uh, now this is years ago because hmm. I'm not young anymore. But it was all about we have got to go away from home and win this game. But there should be a number of teams. There should be, there should be teams for, for players who Actually, aren't. I think for Irish football, Irish soccer, all you know, young people should be learning technical skills. Yeah. Much more important than winning games yeah. in the Kennedy Cup or whatever. I'm sorry, when I mention, you know, abuse at, like, um, you know, parents shouting at kids at underage games, it's not just that. It's it's also, when parents shout at officials at underage games, mm. that leaves an imprint on the kids because that, that is teaching them that it's okay to shout at these human beings who are giving up their free time to referee match. Like, so that's a bad example in itself. So even if the parents aren't shouting at their own kids, shouting at referees and officials... Uh, or coaches to bring on but it just creates an environment where it's it's almost like sometimes I find the fans go to English soccer games on a Monday to Friday they act totally differently than they would when they're screaming and shouting 
uh, on the day. And I almost think there's a bubble that people live in where they think, ah, this is actually all right that for us to give stick. And sometimes it's good natured and sometimes it's competitive, but other times it's not beneficial. Okay, let's make a point on the referees as well when it comes to underage, that for the best part, referees who start out refereeing the 8s, the 10s, the 12s, the lower division games are most likely referees who have just taken up the whistle yeah. and are probably trying to get into it and will make a few mistakes 100%. along the way. And in theory, you should be a little bit more tolerant of people who are just getting into the game and maybe yeah. learning their way through. And the last thing they want is some obnoxious parent getting up in their face or calling a mistake yeah. in a game that ultimately doesn't really matter that much or shouldn't matter like, that much. You, 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 you would have experienced this, John, recently in, in, in Frankfurt, going to an away game. And the point you made is, is an excellent one. Like, the, you're, you're on the train, you're listening to grown men. You saw my Instagram. Yeah, you? but you're hearing chats. Oh, well, I, what I was posting was mild, folks. That's what, that's what I'm going to say. Like, I couldn't, like, some of the stuff was absolutely outrageous. But those, those people are you saying then, that the Spurs fans were louts, or were you talking about uh, Frankfurt here? No, it's, it's a football issue. I go to Manchester United matches. And, and I think, well, I think if it was Man United fans or Arsenal fans or same. Liverpool fans, like these are the diehards on a train, only 2,000 of them, mm. you'd be getting the same types of messages. Now, some of them were very, very funny, inappropriately funny, and then some of them were completely unacceptable. But the, the, those unacceptable chants, those people chanting those things at, at matches at weekends, they're, they're, they're chanting the most disrespectful, like remarkably offensive things on a Sunday and going in t- with their suit on on a Monday morning back to work. And, 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 and probably totally being extremely person. polite, but so that's because it's seen as acceptable. Yeah, you can, you, you can let off the steam. Uh, <laughs> and maybe it's more of a UK thing with soccer. Um, Actually, yeah. 53106, uh, just coming in on this already. As a coach, you have to know your players. Some kids need to hear your voice. Others get put off by it. I coach judo and adapt depending on what the player needs. And another one, hi there, I'm a psychologist and a GA referee. I've been refereeing for 15 years. This last year is the worst I've experienced. The abuse is sustained and personal. It's negative on the individual who's going out to do something positive and volunteering for the good of the GA. This has to stop. It's psychologically damaging to referees, says Gavin in Cork. I was just wondering, maybe a slight adaptation to the idea of the silent sidelines. I think it's a very good idea and we can see exactly where it's coming from. Is that maybe the coaching teams might be the only ones who are allowed to speak? Because in some ways, it's no bad thing for youngsters to be getting guidance from their actual coach as the game goes on. Yeah, Um, and like the difference between between sports is is an interesting one because Jeremy made the point on OTBM during the week about do you need to mic up referees in Gaelic games? Like it's the the respect for referees. You know, you know, the best place to mic up would be club level, not county. But but it would take a while for players to realise that and remember that referees are mic'd up, but. I think it would immediately change the the abuse to referees because you just wouldn't say things because listening back to yourself giving abuse to a to a referee is not something you want. So um, maybe that's the solution. Maybe it's it would put things in the right direction. But I think look, I think some referees are um, accepting of the fact that maybe somebody might be slightly out of character in the rough and tumble of an actual game as well. You will say things yeah. you each of the moment yeah. on the street, yeah. but yeah. at the same time, I think in a general sense. If there's not a culture of respect, you can't exactly expect these incidents yeah. to go away that have happened in the last while. And I would hope this is one of the things that when we're talking about it, I and mean, when it's very clear that everyone's very, very aware of it, that now this is a really good time to stamp it out. Yeah, five, three, one, six lads, I'm 39, played soccer growing up and I live it. However, have no fond memories of playing because my coach is constant shouting and criticism. I've never forgotten it. Today it's called abuse, says Niall. And unless you've got kids involved, says another of our textures, it's hard to understand, especially in rural areas where rivalry at senior level permeates down to underage. I have to check my regularly I go to the empty side of the pitch already I know people in Fair my local to that club person for checking themselves yeah. they know it's you know, a problem I, I know people in my lo- local club who know themselves that they get too animated during matches and, and shouting at their own kids this is at senior level but they do do that they go to the far end of the where they're away from everyone so at least you know it's almost like they're just not putting themselves in the position where they can give you know shout abuse which is fair at least people those people are aware of it and they, they remove themselves from the situation so 
That's one way of doing it. This is the Father Ted Golden Cleric moment of the programme. But sincerely, I would like to thank our audience because without their support, there'd be no off the ball and news talk. Without their loyalty, there'd be no platform for us to talk about sport and cover it and speak to the people involved in it. And what a privilege it is to talk about something you love and work hard and do good work. And at the Irish Radio Oscars, the Imro Radio Awards in Kilkenny last night, off the ball, swept the boards. And congratulations to the Off the Ball weekday show who won Sports Programme of the Year. Well done to all of those who are part of the Sports Story of the Year putting that together. Carnage Euro 2020 and those who are on air and contributed to that. A great team effort. And a special mention must go to Nathan Murphy crowned Sports Broadcaster of the Year. Well done Nathan. Richly deserved. Shane Hannan you were the representative of the news round here on Saturday down at the Lyrath Hotel in the Marble City. Can you hear it in my voice, folks? Maybe. You've 53106. You've been a pro already for the last 10 minutes, Shane. So, well done. <laughs> Hangover hasn't hit yet. I feel great. Um, I hope some of the lads are... You've had sausage rolls already. Sausage so. rolls are sitting You're right beside me in the studio. Yeah. Slump. yeah, and the cappuccino was beside me ready for the... For the I, I was going to start maybe saying... Oh, you should have heard about Nathan last night what he was up to because I know they're driving home right now and they don't want the fear they're all listening yeah they're all listening So uh, as well you gave the wrong title to the award as Nathan christened it itself on Thursday when he had a strong feeling he was going to win it's the <laughs> annual Joe Malloy award not yeah. the Sports Broadcaster of the Year award <laughs> so I think Nathan's officially two behind now that's his so. third I think it's Nathan, Nathan's third I think Joe um, was five yeah, it's, it's turned into a rivalry, I'll tell you. And I should mention... Now, somebody said it's the Ronaldo and Messi of the Emirates Awards. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which of them is Pinaldo? Which of them takes the penalties, I wonder, and uh, has the excuse? But it's... Would you be live as well, we should mention, the Saturday and Sunday show for Off The Ball. We uh, we took the silver, the second place award after Off The Ball's weekday for uh, sports... Uh, Sports Programme of the Year. Um, and Sonia O'Sullivan came second in, in Sydney and, and there's no shame in it. We, we celebrate that. So I think we should, we should also celebrate uh, a silver medal. Good it, to see OTB in competition with itself. With, it, with, it, with each other, exactly. Yeah. So uh, it was a great night's crack. The, the Emeralds are... You didn't disgrace yourself anyway. Didn't disgrace myself to my knowledge unless I start getting WhatsApps uh, flurrying in here. Nothing so far. Somebody, so. somebody, somebody comes up to the office. Yeah, but that thing you said. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Just got a text from Catherine Murphy, um, one of our producers. Uh, yes, yes we are. Myself, Colin and Mick. Yes, yes, we are listening. So um, okay. they're all in the car. They're uh, driving down the road. Um, probably not jealous of me who had to drive up from Kilkenny and go straight into work. But you know what? I, I think it's the best thing for it. I've done it twice now. I've, I've been, been at three Emeralds and um, twice now I've had to come in the next day. But I, I actually think it, it, uh, it distracts you from the from the hangover I would say one thing for Shane Hatton he did not appear in any of the Snapchats or WhatsApp videos that were being circulated you use Snapchat still well not all that regularly but you know people will still send you a snap particularly on a night like um, the Imros where things that should disappear and never be used again Mm. and disappearing photos being used on WhatsApp as well what happens in Kilkenny stays in Kilkenny precisely and Shane Hannon didn't appear in any of the moments of debauchery so So you have all those moments Ah, well they're all gone now but they were reviewed reviewed last night there there was a set I will take people behind the curtain for a moment we, we there were cigars being smoked last night I smoked a cigar in Frankfurt did you right yeah. See, yeah. You but I didn't put that it. on social media yeah <laughs> who's telling the world cigars, now, so. Shane if you're going to peel back the curtain tell the full story here yeah yeah it was there was a couple of cigars myself and, uh, and Nathan and I won't mention all the names of people okay who are, just in case they're, that brings down the curtain on the Golden Cleric Awards <laughs> for, for how many, how many cigars did Nathan have in a single session he did have a, he did one in each hand at one point which is <laughs> which is very sports broadcaster of the Erie um Mick McCarthy was chatting to him as well at different points of the night, and Catherine Murphy was there. Ashing O'Reilly was there. There was a good, there was a good um, Colin Buhig. There was a good setup of of off the ball teamers, and uh, Mick probably having to, you know, 
take the couple of pints to forget about the shambles that was the, the crappy quiz yesterday, the 49 minute long crappy quiz, which I listened to on the drive up to Kilkenny. Please never talk about that again. Uh, yeah, so Mick was getting the blame for it being that long, but I, I think that's harsh on Mick, isn't it? Uh, First time hosting that, hosting that crappy quiz can't be an easy task. He probably needed to keep a tighter control on things, but I think the <laughs> contestants. He's have listening to take, right now, Wilson. No, no, this is what I'm saying. The contestants, I think, have to take the lion's share of the blame for how slow we were, because I heard bits of it last night too. and Listening back, and that was even after Mick had taken um, quite a liberal cutting to the actual audio before it went out. The YouTube version particularly, people were like, just get to the bloody questions. And I see people have put timestamps in to go, here's where the 14 minutes of the preamble ends and the questions <laughs> actually start. So, yeah, I, um, I won't promise anything to the audience for next Friday, but I think we probably need to tighten it up just a little bit. Okay, um, that's uh, enough of that. Well done. <laughs> uh, so, now... News round wise, so we have Man City against Southampton, three o'clock. Yeah, indeed. John, plenty of bits happening. Republic of Ireland goalkeeper Gavin Bazunu tasked with uh, preventing Erling Haaland from scoring his 20th goal of the season this afternoon, and 21st and 22nd, because inevitably hat tricks happen with this man. Manchester City's game with Southampton won a four three o'clock kickoffs in the Premier League this afternoon. City can leapfrog Arsenal at the summit with a win, and manager Pep Guardiola says the Gunners must be considered title contenders. We cannot forget one thing, ladies and gentlemen. There is one team had been better than us. This is the reality. The reality, Arsenal have been better than us so far. We are not top of the league. Important is to be there and try to fight to, to arrive there. Ladies and gentlemen, Pep Guardiola has started the, the, um, the, the, the mind games and the tactics, saying Arsenal have been the better team and they're absolutely title contenders. He has to do it, I suppose. But um, I think uh, Gunnar Jerry in Mullingar will be very happy. He emailed into a slight tangent this week and was not happy about how dismissive OTB's entire content has been about Arsenal being potential title contenders. Well, there's Pep Guardiola <laughs> doing what OTB have not done uh, by saying that Arsenal have been the best team in the Premier League so far. Well, oh, look, I think Arsenal have been really good. First eight but games, but they're not title contenders. That's the problem. Like, you take Man City over they're the sec- They're second contenders. Yeah, like, they're really strong contenders to be second in the league. Yeah. Like over the course of 38 games, is there anyone who's not an Arsenal fan who would argue that Arsenal will probably be a fin- ahead of Man City in 40 games? Don't time? So. I don't think so. No, no, I don't think so. It's yeah, and look, we spoke to Martin Lipton on over to AM as well yesterday, and we were full of praise for Arsenal. So I think it's. I was full of praise for Arsenal last week. So yeah, um, rightly no, so. Um, there is bias, but it's always catch well. Must be tough for a for a Spurs fan to, to praise Arsenal in, in any fashion, but uh, it's a joke. It's a joke. Go on. Absolutely. We have plenty of other bits as well happening in the Premier League after finally picking up a first win of the season last week. Leicester go to Bournemouth. Chelsea welcome managerless Wolves to Stamford Bridge and Newcastle entertain Brentford. There's a half past five start at the Amex where Brighton play Tottenham. A 3-0 win at home to Finn Harps saw Derry City keep the SSER Tristy Premier Division title race alive last night. The Candy Stripes two points off leaders Shamrock Rovers. Rovers play their game in hand at home to Shelburne tomorrow. Uh, oh, that's today in fact elsewhere the race for European football heating up after Adam O'Reilly's injury time strike handed St Pat's a 2-1 win away to third place in Dock Sligo Rovers were 2-0 winners at bottom side UCD and Dale Rooney's injury time goal gave Drogheda a 1-0 victory over 10-man Bohemians at Daly Mount Cork City were crowned first division champions last night their goalless draw with Wexford coupled with Galway's 2-1 defeat at home to Athlone Town means Cork can no longer be caught at the top of the standings Waterford are up to second courtesy of a 3-0 defeat of Treaty United while Longford were 4-2 winners away to Cove Ramblers Queen's Park Rangers have moved level on points with the top two in the championship after beating Reading by two goals to one last night. This afternoon, leaders Sheffield United head to Stoke City and second place Norwich host Preston. Of the other teams in the top six, Burnley play at Coventry while Swansea City take on Sunderland. Under pressure, West Brom boss Steve Bruce could do with a win when they face Luton. Blackpool, who are winless in their last four games, meet Watford. Elsewhere, Birmingham are at home to Bristol City. Rotherham and Chidozi Ogbenya make the trip to Blackburn. Millwall go up against Middlesbrough and there's Wigan Athletic versus Cardiff City. We have the game on 
one in front of us here. Half time in the Scottish Premiership, the champion Celtic, knowing they'll end the day at the top of the table if they beat St Johnston in today's lunchtime kickoff, and they lead by one goal to nil at half time. And Andrew Considine own goal three minutes before the half time interval, giving Ange Postacoglu's side the lead so far. Rangers can take advantage of any slip-up by their old firm rivals today if that did happen when they host third place St Mirren. Hibs are looking for a fourth successive win in the top flight ahead of their match with Motherwell at Easter Road. Struggling Ross County go to Livingston while bottom side Dundee United face Aberdeen in the late game. So all those games at 3 o'clock but that late game kicking off at 6. Some rugby news. Leinster looking to make it four wins from four in the United Rugby Championship this evening. Leo Cullen's side welcome the Sharks to the RDS Arena for a five past five kickoff with the visitors without a host of their South African internationals. Johnny Sexton starting his first game of the season for the Blues while Will Connors replaces Josh van der Fleer in the pack. Ulster welcome uh, back Springboks back road Dwayne Vermeulen to their team for the visit of the Ospreys to Kingspan Stadium in Belfast. Ian Madigan is preferred to Billy Burns at out half for that 7.35pm kickoff. Tries from Mac Hansen, Finley Bealham and Paul Boyle helped Connacht to their first win of the URC season last night. They beat Munster by 20 points to 11 at the sports ground. That was Munster's third defeat in their first four games. And Will O'Callaghan, you were watching this? I was. Uh, while Shane was in Kilkenny, I had the TV on to watch Connacht against Munster because I wanted to look at this new 4G pitch to see what kind of difference it was going to make to both Connacht's play and to the opposition. Uh, Munster didn't really put a whole lot together during the game. I think that was the story coming out of it. Um, this has been such a disappointing start to the season. And again, I felt that Connacht probably should have won by more. They won by nine points in the end, but realistically they looked in good control. Even when Munster went ahead, I still felt that Connacht were going to win the game. They made good use of a 50-22 kick, which got them right up the field, got them that third try from Paul Boyle, which meant that they won the game. And look, Connacht desperately needed a win because they'd made a poor start to the season as well. And now, when you look at how the South African teams have travelled so far and saw the Lions won away to Edinburgh again last night, there's only probably going to be one automatic qualifying place available to the Irish teams. We've, we've kind of become so used to the Irish teams all being in the playoff positions in the old top 14. But now in URC, the South African teams are doing so well. There's a real chance that either Munster or Connacht might miss out in the Champions Cup next season because of the form of the That would be an absolute disaster for Munster. For Munster, it would be a, a complete disaster. And... Talking to, to Alan Quinlan yesterday, like he was just so downbeat about the way things have started and you know the signings that were made for this season and the way that many of the Munster players look like they've never played before going into the season. And you know Europe is going to come around. They look a little bit short in a few positions, particularly around midfield. You know they didn't really get that replacement for uh, Demondi Alande, and it's big pressure on Frisch when he comes back from South Africa with the emerging Ireland to maybe fit right into the system. So yeah. if I was a Munster supporter, I'd be quite worried of what I've seen so far. There was one hilarious moment during the game, which was totally tangent. Dental, but after Munster scored their try, Craig Casey accidentally punched their new fullback Joey Carberry in the face uh, during a celebration. Which is well, quite I'm funny. glad it's accidental because on one of the angles it doesn't look accidental. I know he's, he's just clearly jumping up to try and do the celebration, and Carberry's just in the wrong position. Okay, so, yeah. um, just unlucky for Carberry. I don't know. I'm, I'm with O'Gara on this. I don't know how much rugby Carberry is going to play at 15. I yeah. think it's looking at an option potentially, but I think Carberry needs to get as much game time at 10 as possible a year out from the World Cup. That's unfortunate, Craig Casey. You never know what angles, do you? No, I know, he definitely did. 100% didn't mean it. It was just a f- coming together of his fist and Joey Carberry's face. Yeah, that's what they all said to me for many years, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you'd, ex- you'd expect Leinster and Ulster to win. <clears throat> the other thing about Connacht, um, just when I think about, about the pitch, again, totally an aside, but Bernard Jackman made this point really well on Twitter. He showed Jake White's comments about the fact that they're not bringing some of their frontline players to Glasgow to play on an artificial surface. Maybe it's a genius move by Connacht if some of the best players are not going to come to Galway to play on a 4G pitch, they might play some weakened teams at home over the next while. Yeah, 
Yeah, it'd be smart. It, it was. It actually struck me yesterday when we, myself and Adrian were chatting to to Ronan O'Gara, and he, like he said, Munster no longer a good team, no longer a great team, which really struck me because it, it makes you think about where where they've fallen from, and they'd be in danger of not getting into the. Well, their team is now inferior to the brand. Yeah, and they have to make the Champions Cup at the end of the day for next season, and like it, they'd be at risk if they if these results continue, they'd be at serious risk of that. So, yeah, it's uh, it's going to have to be a quick turnaround for Munster, Munster fans. fans. They're a team, and let Munster fans text in at five three one zero six at a cost of thirty cent, but. Like Munster, I think the minimum expectation there is playoffs in both Europe and in the domestic competition. Yeah. Like that's what they should be doing year on year on year. With the start this season, it's no pill task to see playoffs neither. What is the solution, folks? Munster fans, we know you're a passionate bunch. Five three one zero six, get in touch with us. There's also women's rugby World Cup action. There is indeed. We're Indian, not there. No, we're not there, unfortunately. But um, yeah, there's still action ongoing. England scoring uh, just the 14 tries, their most in a single women's rugby World Cup match to get their tournament up and running, with an 84 points to 19 thrashing of Fiji. Claudia McDonald scoring four of those tries in Auckland. Hosts New Zealand started their title defence with a 41-17 win over Australia, while France beat South Africa by 40 points to five. Formula One, Max Verstappen has avoided a grid penalty and will start on pole for the Japanese Grand Prix tomorrow, which could secure him a second world title. The Red Bull champion has been given a reprimand after almost colliding with McLaren's Lando Norris for driving slowly during qualifying. Verstappen spoke about the incident afterwards. Yeah, it was just uh, because um, the second run out of turn two, I had a, I went, I think, a little bit wide and then something broke off the car. So quite a big piece of uh, aerodynamic part. Um, and that's why probably... I couldn't really improve my lap time, um, but yeah, luckily it was just uh, just good enough. Yeah, have you watched back the incident with Lando yet? I've heard that obviously it wasn't something you meant to happen. He was overtaking you. There's a lot of talk about what agreements you drivers have in those circumstances. How does all that fit, factor into this? Yeah, first of all, I think, you know Lando is a, is a very good friend of mine, so I would never deliberately trying to push him off the track or whatever. Maybe he thinks I did, but. Um, the problem is that what happened was I was creating a gap to the, the cars ahead, which everyone of course does because you don't want to be too close around here. But of course your tires are quite cold by driving so slow. And then I was just trying to warm my tires a bit and then in the mirror I saw he was coming quite quick so I wanted to try and stay ahead of him. And as soon as I accelerated I lost the rear by having cold tires. So I had a big moment and I tried to correct the car of course and that's why he had to go through the grass. Um, but yeah, maybe he saw it as I was just trying to turn in on him, but I just lost the car and I couldn't do anything else. Well, listen, if you, even if you did get a penalty, you, you sound pretty philosophical about if and when you, you win the World Championship. How do you size tomorrow up? What kind of day do, do, are we expecting? Mixed conditions? I think, uh, yeah, it's very unknown at the moment with the weather, so we just have to see what, what happens there. But I, I do think in, in any condition, I think we should, should have a, a good race car. And you can win. That's what we're going to try, yeah. He certainly is going to try and Verstappen will retain the title if he wins and also secures the fastest lap of the race tomorrow in Japan. The Ferrari pair of Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz will go from second and third respectively. There is golf action on day three of the Open de España. A bit of Irish interest to this one as well. Uh, and just to bring you up to speed with how the Irish lads are faring currently, Paul Dunn, uh, he's one under for today through 17 holes to leave him on three under par for the tournament. Niall Carney is two over for the day through 14 holes. He's two under. A shot off Paul Dunn. Uh, and we have Jonathan Caldwell also in action he's three over he's after uh, finishing his round in fact 74 he shot today to leave him in one over par the Irish uh, a little bit off the pace Stephen Gallagher of uh, Scotland 
has a, a one shot lead on 13 under par he's currently out on the course he is uh, one ahead of the South African Henny Duplessis so uh, that is the current golf action Stephanie Meadows sits in third place heading into the weekend at the LPGA Mediheal Championships in California the Antrim woman shot a second round of 70 overnight to move to six under par five shots behind the halfway leader Jody Ewart-Shedoff while in racing, there's an eight-race card at the Curra this afternoon. The first has just gone to post, while at Ferry House, a seven-race card getting underway at ten past two, John. OK, Shane, thank you. 53106, uh, we're going to be talking about respect on the sidelines towards both um, players, younger players and referees between half one and half two in the Saturday panel with three guests coming up. Uh, 53106, putting up a one-sided argument, lads, but the quality of referees has to be assessed. Should referees get a rating after a game the same as a player? Has the quality decreased in recent years? Maybe that has led to this abuse. Do more people that played the game at a top level need to become referees after rather than people that could never play it, says one of our texters. And another one is, I've been a father of five boys and underage GA coach for over 20 years, also work in public-facing business. There's definitely been a shift since COVID in aggression levels of the general public and a lack of patience slash intolerance and this is carried through to the sidelines with increased levels of abuse of officials. We need to look at ourselves first as parents so we're having that coming up on uh, the show on the Saturday panel between half one and half two if you can get your uh, opinions and your uh, observations in during the hour that'd be great folks and Shane and Will thanks so much as always for joining me on the news rant remember folks as you're binging on sport this weekend to pick out your best performance of the weekend whether it's a player manager even the ref tune into OTB's Instagram page tomorrow night Sunday leave your selection in the comments under our performance rankings post if your selection matches our topic live on Monday's OTB AM you're in with the chance then of winning a Gillette ProGlide razor skin guard shaving gel and ProGlide real field blade pack that is the Gillette Labs performance rankings for an effortless finish to your day.